everybody. I love that you laugh whenever I enter the show. This is the I name do of it the every of the show. time. I'm Derek yeah. Carp here with John Thrasher. Hi. John, how you feeling? By the way, I'm not doing well, but I, I uh, want to say I I laugh at the top of every episode because we usually start with something ridiculous before we hit I record. I was just like, yeah. radishes, but no, I and decided not to do that today. That was nice, though, but then sometimes I cut it off of the edit because I'm just like giggling in the background for with no context. I'm like, John, you can't do this. Just to answer giggle. your question, yeah. I'm not doing well. I'm not doing well. If you listen to NMR on the, that just released as well. Um, still recovering from that. You're gonna have to go listen to hear what, what exactly happened to me there. Okay. Yeah, that Admit was two NMRs ago from a week ago. Yes. Was not it two? Week's, not this week's NMR. Oh no, not this upcoming week's. No, it was the the most well, recent NMR. They're Sorry. listening to this on Sunday when NMR would have already released. But that's what and I'm would, saying. Right. Yeah. So the it's the most... one previous. Because we it? just recorded the NMR that's going to. Oh my God, John. Yes, but this okay. So the NMR we just recorded just just released on Thursday ish. And yeah. Now this one is on this episode is Sunday. Right, but we talked about scurvy the week oh, ago. Scurvy. NMR, yes. not the last. I NMR. thought we were talking about what I just talked about on NMR most recently, which was tough. My my, oh, yeah, it was no, a tender was thing. That was tough. You're talking about scurvy. Sorry, guys. We're, I'm a mess. I have scurvy. No, I don't actually have it. But Darren is referencing two NMRs ago, yes, where I was. it was discovered that I was drinking Old Bailey's. Expired milk from a year Expired ago. Expired milk. I dumped milk it down the drain. product. It okay. was chunky. Was it? <laughs> I think I asked you that last I wish time, you could you see like, her no. face. No, it wasn't chunky. I just kind of made that up. But it was not, um, it was not, it should not have been drank. But to let everyone know, I have recovered and I am uh, doing well, but I'm not drinking this week, Darren. I know you aren't either. Um, but every, but everybody is good. We're all safe. We're all healthy. Darren still has a face on Zoom, you guys. Thank God. God bless. Thank God I have still exactly. have a face and so do you. Should we? Yeah. Get Let's in go case. right into it. Let's not Let's waste any more time. We're ready to roll here. Okay, so January 29th, a couple days after my birthday, but I wasn't born yet. It's 1979. Started as really any other day at the Grover Cleveland Elementary School in San Diego, California. I love San Diego. Love it's Grover always Cleveland. Sunny. I love sure we love Grover Cleveland sure. as well. Um, children from the surrounding area took the bus or got dropped off by their parents and were waiting outside the school gates for their principal, Burton Rag, to welcome them as he did every morning. Before yeah. Principal Rag could make his way outside, though, several shots began firing from the house just across the street from the school. The otherwise quiet neighborhood was suddenly filled with the sounds of gunshots and terrified screams as children ran around frantically, some falling to the ground, injured as they were hit. Oh, I mean, uh. Uh, tragically, and this is 1979, I mean, we hear about this way more often than I wish we did this day and age. But nonetheless, Principal Rag rushed outside to pull the children to safety. But as he did, he was fatally shot. Wow. Custodian Mike Sucher, or Sucher, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, saw the ordeal and ran out to try to help uh, help with the situation where he too received a lethal gunshot wound. So just a complete massacre happening at this height at this elementary school. Yeah, horrible. But just to yeah. think that people are like, you know, 
their first gut instinct is to help. And obviously they're in your administrative professionals, you know, they're in the school environment, even custodians, you know, so there's obviously they care a little bit about, you know, kids. So it's, it's, um, it's hair. It's like, it's really, I don't know, brave. Yeah. And tragically, sometimes that's not always the case. I mean, you remember what we heard about coming out of Uvalde and yeah, it's really, you know, I don't I try not to judge people. God only knows how I would react in a situation like that. But yeah, you do. We're also not like police officers. No, right. Exactly. Well, nonetheless, before the police could arrive, eight children between the ages of seven and ten were shot and injured. And the two adults who bravely attempted to rescue them were both killed. Over 30 rounds were fired at the direction of the school, all coming from 16-year-old Brenda Ann Spencer. So usually you're hearing about, you know, white men is sort of the big stereotype with school shooters in particular. But, but a 16-year-old yes, woman, 16-year-old, right. woman is a little shocking. That's not what we Absolutely. Expect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brenda Spencer was born April 3rd, 1962, to parents Wallace and Dot Spencer, who lived in San Diego, California. One of my favorite places, by the way, in the United yeah, States. You I know, know I've been I there can't a bunch. Get enough of it. Yeah. I really, it's just paradise, honestly. It really is. Well, Brenda was one of three children, her siblings being Teresa and Scott. And when Wallace and Dot divorced, Brenda continued to live with her father while the two siblings went with their mother curious why that's the case because I feel like especially during a divorce and my parents are not divorced so I don't have firsthand experience but I'd imagine with divorce you know the one kind of control and constant you need is at least that the siblings can be together so I wonder if there was some tussle or some problems there yeah and most I feel like obviously not all but most uh family courts typically order that all the children remain with one parent like you were just alluding to so yeah, I think that is a little bit of a sussy detail. And by the way, it might set up strife within the family, you know, at an early age. Yeah, it certainly doesn't seem ideal, but I'm not there to judge. From there, it seems that Dot had a minimal presence in Brenda's life, and the young girl began wrestling with the trauma of abandonment, which this is why therapists, I think, are hired <laughs> in general. Right, this right. is like what therapists get their degree in but what was supposed to be her most formative years ended up being her rather turbulent ended up being rather turbulent as Brenda showed clear signs of being mentally unwell from a very young age Mm. one neighbor claimed that at the age of five when she noticed that Brenda never had anyone else to play with she attempted to approach her and make some friends and Brenda was super standoffish to the other girl and ended up ripping her doll's head off before throwing it on the ground and returning inside leaving the girl in tears Lord, can I just say like Kids could be cruel, like in general. Mm-hmm. Like I can even remember being mean when you're really little to some of your friends. Like you're figuring out the social dynamics of something, you know. Like, oh. well, you're still of, like that with me. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, well, you're not a friend, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, you no, know but I hear your point. But yeah. I, re- I literally remember I had a birthday party one year, and my best friend from across the street got me a Barbie and like I opened it up when I was four I opened it up and I was just like I hate it like I said I hate it like in front of his parents I just go I hate it <laughs> oh my god wait first I'm, of all like, do you know how embarrassed my mom probably was well do you actually remember that or has your family told you about this no no, no I remember you... like uh, saying I hate it and like my family you... they hate it. like my family <laughs> will tell you, you that too I hate Barbies about? I never of course oh well that's fair I, mean, I was look, never gonna like a Barbie if you're gonna get gonna Darren, happen. if you're gonna get Darren Carp a gift for her birthday, right. make he it. You should know a, better at four. Make it a seven months late, okay, <laughs> and B make it Taco about Bell. a cat butt. 
Yeah. Or, or Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Yeah. The yeah. cat book gets a lot of play in the house, by the way, because everyone's always oh, like, ooh, you know, like, oh, what's, going what's on this? Or here? like, I love this. And I'm like, You're yes. talking about the tissue holder, not the cookies that I gave you. Okay. I'm like, no. I hope you threw those away right away. But kids can be cruel is my point. Yeah, and, no, your point's you know, right. Yeah. Not all of those are signs of like abandonment yeah. or mental Well, that's true. Issues. Good Sometimes point. Sometimes it's yeah. just kids. But criminal psychologists generally agree that doll mutilation – Okay, and let me also just say to <laughs> yeah, remind everyone yes. that when I got a Happy Meal with a Barbie doll in it, I cut off all her hair and I ripped her head out and I threw it oh in the trash. God. Do we need now to back, like now back to the story? No, maybe we need to send this episode to your therapist and really walk criminal it psychologists walk it generally through. agree that doll mutilation can be an early sign that the child is a victim of abuse. Mm. I'm only laughing at myself here because that is yes. not true yeah, yeah. or a really, really bad case of lesbianism, which That's clearly... one or the other, yeah, <laughs> one or the other. But in some cases shows a serious desire to cause physical harm to others. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and perhaps, you know, potentially with girls this manifests, you know, we see it with boys, them killing little animals and... Mm-hmm kind of taking pleasure in that a little bit. You know what else is coming to mind? Sid from Toy Story. Oh, I think about Do that all the time. Do you remember that? He's always like Absolutely. ripping his toys apart and he's definitely Burning them. something going on. Yeah. Yeah. Let's definitely. get to the bottom of that, Pixar. Okay. <laughs> That's the next case. We're like, yeah. Megan, go yeah. into Sid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Megan, do a research case on Sid from Toy Story 2 and where he is today. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I should actually text her that. Anyway, keep going. I keep interrupting you. Well, Brenda was subjected to severe poverty throughout her childhood, which is obviously going to affect her. After divorcing his wife, Wallace spiraled into alcoholism and would struggle financially to support both his daughter and his addiction, as he would commonly spend his money on booze rather than essentials to the household, such as food, cleaning supplies, or even a bed for Brenda. The two Mm -hmm. shared a mattress on the floor surrounded by empty bottles and Mm. trash. Later in life, Brenda would claim that at this time, her father would get belligerently drunk and would physically and sexually abuse her. Allegations, however, that Wallace denies, which is important to say. Yeah, that's important. It is. That's true. Um, Addiction, poverty, and alleged abuse made for a very difficult home life, as you can imagine. And Brenda, too, would begin experimenting with substances to help deal with her inner turmoil. In her early teens, she began drinking and using various drugs such as PCP, LSD, and marijuana. By the way, Darren, I want to mention um, we recently voted here in Maryland to legalize recreational use of marijuana, and I voted for it. So come on down and visit me sometime. Mazel tov. Okay, mm-hmm. now I can come visit now, you. Before you I was not okay. you weren't willing to. Yeah, you weren't willing to prior no, to No, there was this. nothing fun there. Now there's something yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. All right. Anyway, despite their rocky relationship, there was one thing Wallace and Brenda could connect over, which was their love for guns. Which, listen, nothing against any gun ownership, but if your connection is love of guns, guns, where are we heading here on this show? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, there are, I mean, let's let's be fair. I mean, it might be a little bit more odd for a father and daughter, but like guns are still... You know, people are interested yeah. in them. They can be cars. You know, I mean, it doesn't yep. mean that. Like, it's just a thing that people no, can it's be true. into. It's you know, true. I'm just saying when it comes up on this show. No, it feels yeah, it going. feels a little <laughs> sussy. Yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Wallace was a passionate gun collector, and he noticed his daughter taking an interest in his hobby very early on. He taught her how to properly shoot a gun, and would often bring her to ranges and enter her in marksman's competitions where she won several awards for her, her skilled shooting. This is so tangential, but let me just say it. 
there was a woman in the 2012 or 2016 Olympics. Whatever the Olympics is, what is that? Like marksmanship? Is that one of the Olympic yeah. things? Like where you shoot something? Like on Marksman like a, competitions. Whatever it is. Yeah. I should have looked this up. But who went to WVU, who won the gold medal from WVU, where I went to school, whose last name was Thrasher. And I just thought, what are the odds of that? I don't really hear my last name that much at all. And so no. to, to have a connection to a gold medalist who's also last name was Thrasher at WVU. That's weird. I should look, I'm going to look it up to, to give you uh, more detail, but I just wanted to mention that. Um, wow. I also find that skill very interesting. Like I'm not a big, personally a big gun person, but like marksmanship, I find very oh. interesting because you have to be so perfect there was right. a show. In fact, I think it's actually you work at A and E. You can tell me. Yeah. Called Top Shot. Do you remember this? Sounds Top familiar, Shot? but I'm so new to A and E, I don't remember it. <laughs> well, it was on forever. It might be on now, or it's on one of their like channels that maybe I don't get anymore. But it was such mm-hmm. a brilliant competition show with expert marksmen. You know, when there'd be targets, certain amount of ways you have to shoot something through and see the force. But the beautiful part about the show. It wasn't necessarily about learning guns, but they'd slow the bullet down when it entered something. Cool. And so it was like, it, it, it was just you'd very, see it very. Yeah, yeah. It, or like a target from, you know, a mile and a half away, and you'd kind of see yeah. like the expert. It was beautiful, and I love the show. And if anyone has any interest or can watch it on YouTube, like it actually was really, really yeah. cool to watch. So That's I appreciate really cool. the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that type of thing became a bridge between uh, these two individuals, giving them some common ground and a way to bond. You know, Despite all the horrors that sort of happened to her, at least they were able to find some kind of middle ground here, if nothing else, for the peace of it all. I mean, that's Absolutely. the sad reality of of having this type of domestic abuse, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Brenda would practice shooting at home with BB guns and use her father's weapons uh, when at the shooting range. In 1978, about a year before the Cleveland school shooting, Brenda had been caught shooting one of her BB guns at school. BB nope. guns are one of those things, though, that in movies, Christmas Story, for example, <laughs> yeah. uh, that I felt like boys always really wanted. But I don't really re- ever remember that being a thing. I don't think I've ever even seen a BB gun. <laughs> right? I did get one for Christmas when I was like 10 years old. My brother and sister and I all got one. It, 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 I was like, you. somebody can have this. Like, I just never had an interest in guns whatsoever for some reason. Sure. but. You know, my sister and brother loved it. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, you didn't really hear or see that too it often. It just felt like a not, like it was like yeah. in pop culture, it existed, yeah. but never really what I saw from things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, despite being caught with her BB gun, nobody was hurt during the incident. However, several windows in the school were broken. Mm. Brenda was actually arrested for vandalism and held under probation. During one of the visits from her probation officer, it was suggested to Wallace that Brenda was extremely suicidal and would benefit from spending some time in a psychiatric hospital where she could be treated properly. Wallace refused to take the officer's advice, insisting that he could take care of his daughter's mental health issues on his own without the need of professional intervention, which is probably which is, what you would expect from somebody who's doing the things he's doing. So, Yeah, considering the fact that he's probably resp- partly responsible, if not almost fully responsible, um, with given the sexual abuse and everything. But for Christmas that same year, Wallace gifted his daughter her very own rifle, which of course is the gift you want to give someone when you're they're suicidal. That's the first gift you get someone who's suicidal, right, John? Right, right, right. yeah, absolutely, 100%, yeah. 
So he gave the troubled teen a Ruger 10-22 semi-automatic 22 caliber rifle with a telescopic sight along with 500 rounds of ammunition. Later in life, when discussing this particular Christmas, she was quoted saying, quote, I asked for a radio and he gave me a gun. I felt like he wanted me to kill myself, end quote. Oh, my God. Is, this would be the very same weapon she would use to take the lives of Burton Rag and Mike Shuker a little over a month later. Mm. Classmates recounted that Brenda would often skip school, but when she was in attendance, it wasn't uncommon for her to make pretty disturbing remarks. She'd openly speak of her hatred for the police, which nowadays is not as probably a red flag as it was back then, (laughs) referring them to solely as pigs and expressing a strong desire to shoot and kill one. That's a Mm. little bit more um, off the beaten path. Most famously, approximately a week before the shooting, she was openly bragging to her peers that one day she was going to do something terrible uh, that would get herself on TV. And by the way, like you just made a point. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, please. you, You just made a point that like, I feel like we hear about this with these school shooters in particular. Like, there's always a red flag. Um, There's always, like, you know, them preparing or saying out loud. But it's like, and you and I have talked about this so many times. How many times have we jokingly been like, I'm going to kill you as a joke. But, like, you never really know what the true intention is behind people that are capable of this stuff. And especially, you know, like, people are always like, oh, well, why weren't they paying attention? You know, and I'm not a parent, but I imagine it's really hard to come to terms with, you know, it's easy to avoid things in our general lives, especially with kids when it comes to that stuff of not wanting to admit that anything's going on. And clearly here, you know, he had all, he clearly was not a great father, this Wallace uh, guy. But, um, you know, there is sort of this level of infamy that I think that they want. I'm going to do something to get on TV. That seems a little brash. But uh, being long before the epidemic of school shootings, which we sort of have today, these remarks were not taken seriously and viewed simply as a troubled kid attempting to get attention. I'm wondering why she hated the cops so much. Like, was that A, Wallace, was she just speaking what he said? His influence. Or was it that the cops weren't really doing anything about the sexual abuse and she felt alone and that they should have done something and they weren't answering her because she was poor for whatever reason? Just going to say that maybe she came to somebody and they said, oh, just hush up. Like so many victims of this kind of abuse are told, you know, but I don't know. I'm just speculating. Well, a week later, that statement would prove not to be a cry for attention, but rather a very serious warning as Brenda's face was plastered all over every news station when word broke of the shooting. Mm-hmm. After firing at the school, uh, after firing at the school children that fateful morning, Brenda continued to shoot as the police arrived, shooting wow. one officer in the neck. Miraculously, this officer survived his wounds. After firing oh, a total God. of thirty rounds, the shooting came to an end as the police moved a large garbage truck directly in front of the school to block the shots and protect the people inside. Smart. So smart. You know, Brenda had five hundred rounds, or presumably uh, some absurd amount from her dad. I'm not sure if you know she had used any prior, but like thirty rounds seems just the beginning. Well, once fire had stopped, the police quickly began retrieving the school children and leading them out the back of the building to safety. This is where Brenda started to realize that the jig was up, and she quickly began barricading herself inside the small home where she would remain for the next seven hours. Wow. By the way, I looked it up, and the WVU student in 2016, her name was Jenny Thrasher. Oh, and she was actually the first gold medalist of those Olympics that year. So shout out to Jenny Thrasher. Maybe we have some sort of a familial connection that I'm completely unaware of, but nonetheless. Oh, and she was the gold medalist in the rifling, by the way. That, that's oh. what it's called. 
Amazing. Anyway, at this time, uh, word had begun to spread of the attempted massacre, and a reporter, eager to get the early scoop, began calling houses in the neighborhood surrounding the crime scene. This reporter hoped to get information from eyewitnesses as events were unfolding, but instead he found himself on the line with the culprit herself for the interview of a lifetime. I mean, can you imagine calling around and being like, hi, what are you going through? What's happening over there? And then it's actually Brenda herself. Um, I mean, that's like a, like, you couldn't ask for something like, (laughs) right? you know what I mean? That's like Manson himself. Right, exactly. During this phone conversation, Brenda gleefully admitted to being the one who had done the shooting, comparing the school children to, to cows grazing in a field and laughing over how easy it was to maul them down. So Jesus. listen, it's one thing if you're like, you like guns and maybe you took things too far and like now you're just shooting and shooting. But like this shows a little bit more A, mental illness here and B, you know, you're just complete callousness about human life. Well, this is you not a I mean? neurotypical reaction to something, right. like especially with children, especially when you're a children child yourself. Yeah, totally. Well, that's a good point, right? She's 16. When asked why she decided to shoot at the school, Brenda famously said, quote, I just did it for the fun of it. I don't like Mondays. This livens up the day. I have to go now. I shot a pig. I think I, I think, and I want to shoot more. I'm having too much fun, end quote. Wow, that's like really disturbing. Troubled kid, yeah. By now, the Spencer household was completely surrounded by a SWAT team. When speaking with an officer attempting negotiation, Brenda said her victims had been easy targets and she planned on coming out shooting. However, after hours of waiting, she peacefully handed herself over and returned for a meal from Burger King. Which we could argue. A Whopper's a Whopper. A Whopper's a Whopper. A Whopper's a Whopper. Yeah. But of all the fast food joints. Really, of all of them, right? Well, when given the food, she calmly walked herself outside. By the way, you know. Also, uh, that's so sad, by the way. It is. I was like, just going to say that. But like, I was we're like, making, yeah, you know, there? we're teasing, but like, it is, you know, like, think of how starved you have to be. Well, right. I mean, let's or not forget her food you know insecurity I mean? and, you know, like, that's probably this is a, a lifeline for her. Never had a chance. You right. know, like, this is just sad. Yeah. Uh, she walked herself outside, placing both her rifle and her BB gun in the driveway and surrendering to police, finally bringing an end to the whole ordeal. Inside the house, officers found numerous empty whiskey bottles, although Brenda did not appear to be intoxicated in any way. They're probably Wallace's, right? Yeah, her father's, right. During an interview in 1993, Brenda would claim that she was heavily under the influence of alcohol and PCP when she made the decision to open fire on the children. However, after she surrendered, her blood was taken to be tested, which came back negative of any drugs or alcohol, indicating that she was almost certainly completely sober when she committed the crime. Never once did Brenda attempt to hide the fact that she had been the shooter, and officers noted that she almost seemed to be proud of her actions. I mean, we just heard the quotes that she right. gave on the phone there or in the other interview. Due to the brutal nature of the crime, it was decided that Brenda was to be tried as an adult. So that's wow. what I was sort of alluding to here with your intent and your callousness towards life. You know, when when you're that type of person committing that type of crime you should be expected to be tried as an adult even as a 16 year old i mean that's my personal opinion like yes but i also want to just like like 
I get your point, and there are mm-hmm. probably people who fit that criteria, but part of me is like, this girl had been raped, grew in a poverty, obviously. Like, no one was helping her in mental health issues, especially for a woman, especially back in the fucking 70s, 70s and, you know, 70s, whatever. 80s, like, yeah. No one was going to help this kid. Like, did she have, you know, and to be tried and as an adult at 16 when clearly there's mental health issues and clearly she's still young. I just, and that could be, and granted, she did something horrible. So I'm not saying she doesn't deserve to be punished, but just like, it does seem a little bit like cruel and unusual punishment only because she is a kid herself. And and also like, yes, well, she is definitely a kid, 16, but I think also hindsight is 2020 on this because you know, people probably didn't know of all of the abuse that she was dealing with. Like all they know, especially in the late eighties or sorry, late seventies, right. early eighties, they're all just they like this. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's all they see. So being lured out, and by the way, being lured out by Burger King, but also giving up. You know, immediately, not necessarily resisting, even though she was in the house for seven hours. Like she's sixteen. Yeah. She's not. Yeah. It's not like she has everything together. I mean, my yeah. God. Well, her trial began in nineteen eighty, and she entered a plea of guilty to two counts of murder and assault with a deadly weapon. Her attorney was successfully able to get the nine counts of attempted murder dropped from the charges, and wow. she was sentenced to two consecutive terms of 25 to life, which is either 50 years, so essentially basically her whole life, or life in general. Now, starting in 2001, she became eligible for parole, where she attempted to blame her actions on hallucinations from taking the drug PCP. She said she wasn't trying to shoot the children, but rather that they just happened to be in the same spot as the things that she was hallucinating. When the results of her drug test were brought up, she claimed that her attorney had hidden the results of a second test, which showed a high blood alcohol content, claiming this test had been taken and disposed of in a conspiracy against her. Yeah, how would her attorney be able to do that? That doesn't make any sense. Brenda's attorney, Michael McGlynn, as well as the (laughs) prosecutor for the state, Charles Patrick, both deny this claim. Mm -hmm. You know, she's a kid. She might be lying. She's mentally unwell. No evidence of the second test has ever been discovered. In another parole hearing in 2009, Brenda attempted to blame her actions on the alleged sexual abuse she received from her father growing up. This was the very first time she ever spoke up about the alleged abuse, and this claim was dismissed and her parole was denied. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to say, you know, there's there's no other evidence that we have of it. It is a he said, she said, and... But also you have to... Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but even if that's true, which is very horrible, does that... Is that a connection? Like, if I'm a judge looking at this parole case, like, I don't know that that's even a reason to grant somebody parole. Of course, it's a horrible thing that she had to go through, but does that mean that you should have, you know, that's an excuse for your behavior? I don't know. That's a tough conversation. Yeah, I don't know if it's an excuse or just gives color to the whole thing, but whether or not her claim of sexual abuse is true or simply another attempt to judge blame has never never, like been proven beyond a reasonable doubt, so it's really hard to say. It is a he said, she said. It it has been brought up, however, that Wallace ended up marrying Brenda's 19-year-old cellmate who disturbingly bared quite a strong resemblance to his daughter. Wallace continued to live in the same house until his wife was released from jail and the two moved out of state with their newborn daughter, allegedly never to speak to Brenda again. This girl's abandonment is just crazy. Over and over again, the court decided that she was perfectly sane and sober when committing this act, and her attempts to pass blame only show her inability to feel remorse or take responsibility for her actions. Mm, That's tough. In total, Brenda Spencer has been denied parole six separate times, with the most recent hearing actually being just a few months ago in August 2022. 
However, over the years, she has started to show a different side of herself and finally began taking some responsibility for her crime. She's expressed that every time she hears of a school shooting, she feels partially responsible as her actions may have inspired an epidemic. I mean, let's not forget, yeah, like late 70s, early 80s, you're not hearing about a lot of school shootings. You know, it's it's it would be an easy uh, dot to connect back to her if you really kind of look at the chain of events. Her change of heart did not impact the decision of the parole board and instead has been interpreted as her attempting to say what she thinks they want her to or what they want to hear in order for her to be granted her freedom. Since the conclusion of the trial in 1980, the phrase, I don't like Mondays, has gained almost a cult following. But by the way, who does? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was partially due to the popularity of the Irish rock band, the Boomtown Rats, and their hit song, I Don't Like Mondays, written about the shooting, which I didn't even realize. Yeah. Brenda herself became a fan of the song and even took time uh, to write a letter to the lead singer to thank him for, quote, making her famous. Uh, Something he says is, quote, very hard to live with. I mean, could you imagine? Yeah, it does feel a little, you know, like, okay, there's so many songs that allude to things, Vietnam War, for example, Mm -hmm. other things. I don't know. This seems pretty crass. It seems a little disrespectful to the victims. Of course. And it just seems inappropriate. A little tone deaf. Yeah, of course. So despite the song sweeping the charts in both the UK and America, radio stations in San Diego refused to play it due to the impact it had on the local community. And of course, the tra- uh, traumatic memories of Brenda's crime that lingered long after her incarceration. Although the name Brenda Spencer may not be immediately recognizable today, her statement given to that reporter still lives in infamy. As of today, Brenda Spencer is 60 years old and resides in the California Institution of Women in Corona. During her most recent hearing, Brenda agreed to a three-year ban from requesting parole, meaning she will not be eligible again until 2025. Wow. And, you know, it's hard to it's hard to believe or see that a judge would ever grant her parole, especially given that, you know, school shootings nowadays are more prevalent than they've ever been. I think it would just send a really terrible message that, you know, even though none of the kids were killed, there were still murders involved with a shooting directed at school. Well, yeah, just like looking at, you know, going on Google Images and looking at her, there's so many things of like Etsy shirts being sold for I don't like Mondays in a a nod to that. Um, Pretty esoteric reference anyway, but yeah, that's just, uh, it's a little, it's definitely very different. I mean, it's weird to see her at such a young age and now so much older. As a 60 year old, yeah. Yeah. This was an interesting. Crazy. This was interesting, too, because I had never I had heard of the Grover Cleveland incident. I did not realize it was a school shooting. I didn't realize a woman did it. You really don't hear about that very often. So this was no, a very especially a young case. girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. Pretty rare for this to happen. But uh, let us know what you guys think on social media at Jay Thrasher at Carpe Darren. And of course, Shaken and Disturbed podcast fans. This was a pretty downer of a case because I feel like just victims all around from the murderer to the victims entirely. But uh, John, let's end on some listener shout outs here. Why don't you take the first one? 
Yeah, Coco in our Facebook group asked me if I would be watching the upcoming CBS Celebrity Pickleball special, Darren, saying, quote, I'm sure I'm another person added to the list of people who are asking mom, but John Thrasher, are you going to watch? Who do you want to win? Thoughts? I will say. Do you think this kills pickleball? No, I don't. Okay. Let me tell you something. I'll have to send you some. I think, was it the New York Times or like 60 Minutes or somebody did an expose on how fast pickleball has scoured Risen? the nation. Yeah. And it is, they have actual data to like back it up. It is insane. I think what's happening is CBS knows how many people are playing it, especially middle of middle America type of folks uh middle class i guess you could also say and i think they're like oh they're gonna watch this i'm gonna watch it i will say there's a ton of different celebrities ranging from people i don't even know all the way to stephen colbert who's gonna host it all the way up to my girl hermione herself emma watson whoa so i'm gonna be watching coco to answer your question who do i want to win hermione emma watson of course yeah so thank you for asking. Nice. I will be watching. I love that I'm bringing. It's so funny how like I mentioned a couple little things on this show and the listeners like keep their eyes out for it. Yeah, it's amazing. So thank you. Well, Catherine wrote a really sweet message in our Facebook group saying binge in every episode just got to this year's episodes. I'm a little sad that it's going by so fast. <laughs> I listen while I'm working and it makes my day move quickly. Listening to Darren and J-Bone. You two are funny and tell it how it is. Catherine, thank you Love for that. calling John the proper name. He gets so pissed J-Bone. when people call him John. He yep. hates John. He prefers t- J-Bone. He's just too embarrassed to say it to you guys. J-Bone but I know is, the truth. I feel like, was that our friend Ian who came up with that name? I feel like that we got to figure out who said that the first time. I'm going to text him. But Was it me? It, was it you? It might have been you. It's probably me. Maybe Ian just it liked it. Yeah, it was you. I will say I was shopping over the weekend, and I saw these slippers, and they said, um, mama bear on them uh, and i was like wouldn't it be cute if there were mama bear slippers and then daddy cat slippers uh, but they don't have those because uh, that's not a real thing that it's something not. we've made up here on the show yes, but nonetheless of speaking of things you can buy our merch is available for holiday gifts darren i came up with this idea by the way if you guys listening want your boyfriend your girlfriend your wife your husband your partner of whatever kind to get you some some of our merch and you just don't really know how to tell them let us know. Hit us up mm. on social media, and we will drop hints to them along with links uh, so that you get the exact merch that you want. Because at this point, midway through November, you shouldn't be buying for yourself. You're no. dropping hints. You're telling. You're sending your Christmas list to Santa. Let Santa other buys people everything do that. for me around this time yeah. of year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and just, we have some. Yeah. I'm just gonna say Go we ahead, have some sorry. limited edition designs that are there now and available until December first. We will have a holiday design coming up, so be on the lookout for that. And Darren, it's gonna be a fun one. That's right. We're actually going to announce our next Patreon live stream in the coming weeks as well. Yes. So be sure to just subscribe. And if you want to join our live streams with fun and prizes, make sure you're a super fan or truly disturbed fan. We welcome all to join us. It's super fun. Absolutely. And all the links for Patreon in our merch store can be found in our show notes. Or if you want to subscribe to Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed, all one word. And we want to say, too, thank you so much to so many of you who have signed up over the last month. You guys, no matter what you contribute, are keeping our show alive. Okay. So thank you very much. We love you so much for your support. And of course, we have to thank our producer in charge. 
One, two, three. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. Always we love, love a Megan. We love you guys. This case was tough this week, uh, but we love you, and we'll see you next week for another case. And by the way, happy hmm. Thanksgiving, everybody. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming this Thursday. That's right. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>